This is Coworking with Tom Lewis. Weekly discussion and debate about all things co-working. Hello and welcome to the Cowork Inc. Workspace Podcast. So it's been a while since I've done a podcast. Um, I've been kind of thinking of different subjects to include, new subjects, um, going back over subjects that seem to have been popular with listeners um, and those that get the most response, particularly from email. And the one episode that does get more engagement, uh, more feedback, more emails than any other is the one dealing with landlords and I thought I'd have another exploration of the whole building owner landlord developer person in control of the space that we want to build a community within so I want to talk a bit about my experiences uh, and my current situation uh, in dealing with building owners uh, and landlords and the frustrations I'm having and it would be really interesting to know whether this is a situation that is common uh, not only in the UK but worldwide and how it differs because I think as operators in the UK we have a or I have a bit of a um, maybe it's a sort of stereotypical view of uh, US in particular co-working hubs or operators where there's quite a lot of property and quite a lot of land around and it seems to be easier to repurpose buildings uh, to take over empty spaces to breathe new life into properties Um, and it seems again maybe it's just a perception but it seems that there's a bit more of an openness between landlords uh, and owners perhaps um, they take a bit more risk I don't know but I'd like to hear from you if you are a uh, an operator uh, and you have, particularly outside the UK, and you have these this experience. But I want to share my experience with you at the moment. So we're talking about landlords. We're talking about people that own buildings, uh, have the head lease on buildings, uh, local authorities. And for those of you that don't know me or haven't listened to the other podcasts, um, I run a space in Bath in the UK. We have 3,500 square feet. We have 200 members across co-working uh, some fixed desks and an anchor tenant of 15 people and we are full we were full when I talked about this before we're still full we're overflowing now um, and I'm despite the success and the fact that I can demonstrate that success on paper show the numbers the real numbers I'm still having problems engaging landlords and developers not only in this city but outside in Bristol, which is our biggest uh, neighbour, you know, half a million people plus, um, and it's difficult. You know, I, I kind of want to grow the community. The community wants to grow. The community in this space have gone from you know, many of them have gone from single freelancers and are starting to build teams, and they tell me that they want to, to us to grow with them. You know, they want us to provide spaces. They want us to provide individual offices. And we just can't do that. I mean, it's a, there is a problem in Bath, as I've talked about before, but we, it's frustrating. You know, I kind of look at why do WeWork find it so easy? Why can they just open up everywhere? You know, what, what is it about what they do? And looking at their numbers and looking at, I mean, they've got a huge amount of resource behind them, but fundamentally, they do the same thing we do. So why is this? What are the options that I'm looking at? So 
Let's take an example of opening this uh, second space in Bath. I need to open a space for follow-on, for grow-on businesses that love what we do at the Guild. They love the environment. Um, they love the people. They love the concept. Um, and they want to stay within the Guild. But they want their own office, uh, or at the very least they want private spaces where they can all sit together. So as I see it, I have two options. I can lease a space, or I can go into a joint venture with a uh, developer or a land, or land or building owner. So the difference is, with a lease, I, the guild, we sign a lease, a straight lease on a property, and we pay rent every month, and then we effectively resell the space. We grow our community into the space. And I know we can do that. I've got so much demand, the city is crying out for it. The second way of doing it is through a joint venture, through a JV. So in this scenario, as I'm sure you're aware, we could approach a building owner, approach a developer, and say, we won't pay you any rent, but your building's empty. Perhaps you need to breathe life into it. Perhaps it's been empty for a while. What we'll do is we will have an agreement where we don't pay any rent, but we work out a mechanism where we split the income or split the profit. We'd work out a way of doing that. So let's look at let's look at both, and I look at both in the in the light of what I'm trying to do here in Bath. Um, probably share a few frustrations along the way. It'll be part podcast, part therapy session. But I'm sure some of this will resonate with with some of you out there. So let's look at leasing first off. So to me, lease seems pretty pretty simple. Um, I rent my flat here in Bath. Um, lots of people lease their car. You know, it's just simple. You you pay monthly payments. You have use of the space. The problem, the first problem. I find here is convincing a landlord or even worse a property agent that we're actually worth talking to they'll actually return our calls you know in 2017 some of them don't seem to understand the business some of them don't care and in this city at least and in this country to be fair there is such a demand for property um, that they just don't care they'll, they'll wait until uh, you know Starbucks comes along or they'll wait until a uh, company who wants to base their headquarters here comes along and they will leave the property empty. So first step is actually getting to talk to somebody. As soon as we are able to talk to somebody, the second problem that comes up is covenant. So the promise to pay. Can we afford to pay the rent? And the way they calculate this is on some archaic basis, which doesn't necessarily work when you're reselling the space. So they work on a basis that you know, most companies coming in, the rental cost is not the biggest cost of doing business. You know, it's going to be HR wages. For us, for us co-working operators, the rent is the thing. You know, that's what we are reselling. And we're making a margin on that, not on human resources. So it's very difficult, again, particularly when you're talking to agents or traditional landlords, to make them understand that we can still pay our rent even though we don't fit into the standard model of how to calculate um, income and profitability. So covenant is the second thing. Where's your covenant? Is one of these things, what is your covenant? It's one of these things that come across time and time again. And again, when you're dealing with agents, it's even harder because they just want to, it's a computer says no kind of situation. They just want to know, you know, do you fit into this model? As and when we can persuade a landlord, an agent, whoever, that we can actually afford to pay the rent. What they do in lieu of covenant is they ask for upfront rent payments. 
And this can be up to six months of upfront rent payments, which is a huge amount of money to tie up. And effectively what happens is that money gets kept in escrow. So you don't see that money for five, ten years, however long you sign up for. So that is a huge drain on working capital to raise that money just because you don't fit into the standard model. And that's money you can't spend on fit-outs, it's money you can't spend on marketing and advertising. And it's frustrating because it's the only way these landlords are going to talk to you, or talk to us anyway. And then on top of all that, once you've looked at your business plan, you then see these huge service charges. So these service charges, which seem massively out of kilter with what a building should cost to run, certainly a co-working space where perhaps expectations are slightly lower than grade A. You know, people will put up with slightly less, you know, windows and fans rather than aircon or stairs rather than a lift or whatever. These service charges can be crippling and they can be up to 30-40% of the rent payment. And then of course you've also got the business rates, at least in the UK you've got business rates as well, which again can be 30-40% to 40% of, um, of the rent. So huge charges before you've even got started. So that's the lease route. And that's the route I've been trying to go down primarily. And it's been hard because in a city like Bath where property is at a premium, other companies will come along which are a more attractive proposition. And I understand that. It's the nature of capitalism. But equally, very, very hard when we know we, we paid our rent here at the Guild every month on, on time for four years. But landlords still won't talk to us. So that's it'd be really interesting to hear whether you're in the UK, in Europe, the US, wherever, whether you have these similar problems and how you've overcome them. So the second thing, or the second option, is a joint venture. And this was really attractive to me. And this is, I understand, it's how WeWork got started. And with a joint venture, you go to a landlord or a building owner or a custodian and say, we will split the risk. We'll share the risk, but we'll share the reward as well. And this seems like a good idea in theory. In practice, what I've found is that landlords still remain to be convinced you know it is 2017 co-working is a global industry and still they're not convinced and what they're doing in my experience is they're asking for effectively for my business secrets for the secrets behind the scenes of how I got the guild profitable and how we make it profitable effectively they want me to write a business plan and that's fine you know, I can write a business plan and I understand if we're, we're going to partnership, I can write a business plan, I can present the numbers, I can persuade them how we're going to do this thing. The problem is, and this has happened a couple of times, is that as you do, as I've done that, landlords have tended to start to think we might as well do this ourselves. And again, that's fine, but they do it with the knowledge that I've shared. And that's made me feel very vulnerable. Now, part of that, you know, can be overcome with non-disclosure agreements, uh, heads of terms, terms of agreement, whatever. Much of that is not legally binding or is not enforceable anyway. And that's very frustrating because how much should you share with a potential joint venture partner when the danger is they're going to go and do it themselves? And the flip side of co-working being so ubiquitous is that People can do it themselves. Whether or not they can do it well is another question. 
And I don't know how to handle that. I don't know whether I should be charging for my time up front and saying this will come back through the joint venture. You know, you'll have first um, returns until we make up the fact that I charged you for this time. Do you have a more legally binding agreement? Do you only share a limited amount of public information? How do you solve persuading and convincing a landlord of your worth and the fact that you're going to make them money, you're going to make a return for them, potentially in excess of what they would make if, if, you, if you just signed a lease with them? How can you share that knowledge while protecting yourself that they're not going to go and do it themselves or go and do it with someone else? How do you protect that knowledge and the IP, which personally I sell, you know, the, the guild is a not-for-profit, the hub itself is a not-for-profit, where I make most of my money is from selling that information. I sell it person to person, I sell my time over the phone, and I'm just about to launch a co-working academy, which is an online video-based series of courses, each with a load of modules, which is a paid resource for anyone looking to open their own space um, or local authorities looking to open their own space or landlords looking to make the most of their space. Now, that's, a, that's something that these landlords can pay for if they want to, and they can pay for it and they can work out how to do it, they can do it themselves, that's fine. But I'm just trying to understand how I can grow what we do at the Guild, particularly in Bath, and either get over the signing the lease problem, the straight lease problem, with covenant issues, with upfront rent payments and with service charges, or go down the joint venture route and ensure that the joint venture efforts has integrity and leads to a successful outcome. I'm four years into this project and I'm still trying to find a way to grow this very successful business. And the barrier I'm coming up against, whether it's through a straight lease or joint venture, is the people that hold the keys to those properties. So please, I'd love to hear from you if you've got any ideas or suggestions. If you have any of your own experiences, I'd love to do a follow-up to this, um, do a live interview, uh, record a podcast, uh, having a, a chat with you, whatever it is, please email me. It's tom, T-O-M, at coworkinc.co.uk, so that's C-O-W, O-R-K-I-N-C, .co.uk, so tom at coworkinc.co.uk, subscribe to the podcast and you'll hopefully hear a follow-up to this and you may hear someone else's voice other than my own and I'd, if we get a load of people that have got an interest a shared interest in this we can solve it together so please subscribe email me whatever you need to do um hope you enjoyed this podcast hope it was useful to you uh, and i'll speak to you all again soon you've been listening to co-working with tom lewis subscribe and listen to previous episodes at soundcloud.com slash co-working Co-working returns next week.